Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Radio International and this week's live broadcast of The Way of Healing. My name is Susan Brozak and I'm a licensed clinical Christian psychotherapist and founder of Healing Word Psychotherapy Services, my private practice located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Tonight we're going to be looking at part one of a two-part series called When You Are Struggling Spiritually, How to Deal with Strongholds and Bondages. We will take a close look at areas of spiritual struggle that can occur in our lives, clarify the biblical perspective on how to address issues such as strongholds and addictions, and learn how to develop spiritual disciplines and relationships that offer hope for continued spiritual growth in our lives. So, as I said, tonight we're going to be looking at what to do when we're struggling spiritually. Or, if you're feeling that you're enslaved to an area of bondage in your life that you just can't seem to break free from, we'll be taking a look at all of these things and giving you some tools to help you break free, not only tonight, but also in two weeks when we continue with part two of this broadcast. Many of the patients I work with at my practice have at some point been caught up in a downward spiral in their lives in terms of a habit that has driven them away from God for a time. Well, to God, no one is without redemptive value, and it's God's desire for all of us to be reconciled to him and to return to right relationship and fellowship with him. So some of these issues that we'll address today uh, will include clarifying the Bible's perspective on spiritual struggles, stumbling, and victory, discussing the steps of repentance, reconciliation, and renewal of a relationship with God, and learning how to seek out the disciplines and relationships that offer hope of continuing spiritual growth. So what do we mean by a spiritual struggle or being in bondage to a stronghold in our lives? Let's define that. So basically, it means a loss of soul health and connection with God due to an addictive practice or some type of bondage or stronghold in your life. This can be rebellion or it can be used in the broader sense to describe the weakening of a person's faith due to a habitual sin, uh, whether conscious or unconscious. So spiritual struggle is nothing new. In fact, it's an issue common to all of mankind. So how do we, quote, get rid of it, unquote? Romans 6 offers some solutions. First of all, remember that as far as God is concerned, our flesh died with Christ. 
Romans 6, 3 says, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. So the word baptized here has to do with identification. Our identity has been changed by our coming to Christ in faith and God's act of uniting us with Christ. No matter what we've done or have left undone, we are acceptable in God's eyes, as acceptable as his own son, because he sees us through the blood of his son. Also, keep in mind that we are not bound to respond to temptation, as Romans 6.11 puts it. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are or can be dead to unresponsive to the temptations we face because Christ has changed who we are. So count yourself dead to sin amounts to remember who you are now. And it's important that we don't continue once we've accepted the Lord to refer to ourselves as sinners. So often I I, Uh, work with patients and and others uh, in ministry who keep saying, well, I'm just a sinner. And, and, you know, and that's, that's how they're, they're identifying themselves. But actually at salvation, our identity is no longer a sinner, but we are considered saints. And that might sound puffed up or, or lofty, but it really isn't. It's a change of identity. We are saints that still sin, of course, because we have a flesh and we live in an imperfect world, but we no longer identify as sinners once Christ has saved us. And that's important for us to remember um, so that we don't continue to identify in the wrong way. So now that we are saved, Um, This is a critical distinction that we need to make in terms of our identity and who we are. Also, give every ounce of yourself to serve your new master, which is God himself. Romans 6.19 says, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to graciousness leading to holiness. Reverend Charles Swindoll identifies three, what he calls, foods of the flesh, so to speak, that feed our rebellious or our sinful or addictive nature, and they deprive our spirit of nourishment that it needs. So the first one he identifies is unbelief or doubt about God's goodness and willingness to do what is best for us. A second one is pride or believing that we know better than God what is best for us. And thirdly, believe it or not, is anxiety or the fear that we'll never gain God's approval. So when we feed on these foods, we're almost helpless to resist temptation. And Romans 13, 14 says it this way, make no provision for the flesh. So that is don't feed it anything. Put off its food supply of unbelief, pride, or anxiety, or any area of stronghold that you struggle with. So if you know you have an issue with bourbon, for example, or whiskey, or you think you're prone to be tempted by whiskey, don't keep whiskey in your refrigerator uh, or in your cabinet. So that's an example of how not to make provision for the flesh. 
Um, some of these simple things that we don't think of are actually keys to overcoming temptation, and that's why God's Word talks to us about how to not give our flesh room to act. It's much more time-consuming and more effort is required if somebody who's struggling with whiskey needs to get in the car and drive to the liquor store every time they want to drink versus if it is stored right in their own kitchen. So moving on from that example, which is just one of many I could have used, but for the sake of simplification, I chose that one. What is the meaning of repentance in a spiritual struggle? Well, repentance is the key, and we use the repentance, the word repentance, which in the Greek means a change of mind. So whichever term you use, this implies a commitment to turn and go in a new direction. Repentance is a change of mind based on what is right, not on how you feel. It's a decision to turn from what is wrong to that which is right in light of the word of God. And it's made with the honest intention of obedience to God, not with the idea of negotiating with the Lord about the consequences of wrong choices that have been made. It's an acknowledgement of your own inability to live righteously apart from God's power and strength, which is why it's so important each morning to ask the Lord to help you walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. And in order to do that, you need to ask him to empower you by his Holy Spirit to fill you with strength and grace and mercy so that you can walk out that which he has called you to do that day. So let's take a further look now at the importance of repentance in the healing process. Repentance and forgiveness are at the heart of someone's healing. If there's no repentance on the part of a person, healing work won't go too far. The word repent in its various forms is actually found 112 times in the Bible. So it's very important that we understand this word. In the New Testament, there are two basic words translated as repent megalomai and metanoia. Their combined meanings give us the following definition of repentance. Repentance is the informing and changing of the mind, as I previously stated. It's the stirring and directing of the emotions to urge the required change and the action of the yielded will in turning the whole person away from one thing and towards something else. So repentance is clearly one of the foundational doctrines listed in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Matthew 4, 17 tells us from the time that Jesus began to pray and say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Also in Acts 17, 30, which says, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring the importance of repentance. These are scriptures that underscore um, what it means for us to repent. And this is not in the context of blaming or shaming or condemnation. It's in the context of making a decisive change of mind, a deliberate and intentional changing of the mind about an issue in your life that you know has been a besetting problem or issue for you over a period of time. 
It's making a decision to change your mind and walk in the opposite direction of the direction you were walking in. Now, God gives grace, and he gives grace upon grace in order for you to be able to do that. And once you get a hold of his grace for you and the power of his finished work on the cross, that is really what enables you to make these changes that staying in obedience to God's word talks about in scripture. So um, remembering to call upon the power of the Holy Spirit when you're in these moments of indecision or of being forced to make a decision um, in terms of whether to follow after the spirit or whether to follow after the flesh, if you call upon the Holy Spirit at those times, he will empower you to resist temptation. So continuing um, on to what God's word has to say on this topic, Luke 15, 1 through 10, in summary, tells us when we repent and return to God, it brings great joy in the heavens. It also says, in the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So we know that sin then can provide demonic footholds. And we've talked about uh, this on previous broadcasts about how the enemy can get a toehold, a foothold, and a stronghold in someone's life. And the word uh, foothold is something that we get from the Greek word, uh, which is um, tapas, and that's our English word topography, which has to do with a map and a space of land. So when we give the enemy a foothold, we're living, literally giving him a piece of land or a piece of our property um, over to him so that he can um, influence us in that way. And in terms of footholds, if we allow them to remain for a long period of time, eventually they will turn into a stronghold and then it becomes more difficult to break that down. But repentance ushers healing into our lives by removing any footholds or opportunity for legal rights that Satan or a demonic spirit may have gained in our lives. So Ephesians 4:27 tells us not to give the devil a place, once again a tapas, a foothold or an opportunity by uh, turning to a besetting sin. The verse which surrounds this command lists the kind of issues which can give Satan a foothold. So some examples of these are uh, living in falsehood, anger, stealing, speaking unwholesome or deceptive words, manipulation, harboring bitterness and unforgiveness, wrath, clamor, slander or malice, or giving yourself over to something that eventually leads to self-destruction. 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11 says, But whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sake in the presence of Christ in order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. And that word schemes there is the Greek word methodia, and that literally goes back to a literal uh, blueprint that the enemy has for the destruction of our lives, where in Jeremiah 29, 11, as I've talked to, about before, God has plans to prosper and not harm us. So the enemy has schemes and plots 
to, to destroy us where God has plans to prosper and not harm us, to give us hope and a future. So greater is he that is in us and he that's in the world. And we have to remember that God's plans will always trump the enemy's pl- uh, plots for destruction as long as we continue to seek out God's will. So repentance can remove demonic footholds by disarming um, the realms of darkness. And Colossians 2, 13 to 15 talks about this as it describes the disarming of rulers and authorities as then demonic forces through Christ's death and shed blood at the cross. We receive the effects of Christ's death on the cross in our own lives by personally repenting of sin and being cleansed by the application of Christ's blood. And again, Colossians 2.15 tells us, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public spectacle or display of them, having triumphed over them through him. So it's stating here that through his death on the cross, um, the... Uh, those that came against him were um, made a, a public spectacle of because Christ's blood trumps everything. So um, rulers and authorities that tried to go against the Lord Jesus Christ, it backfired on them uh, through his finished work at the cross. I'd like to mention also now some possible physical manifestations of emotional and spiritual bondages and strongholds in a person's body. And with the disclaimer, though, that please understand I am not indicating that these particular issues are only or always due to spiritual or emotional problems, but there is a connection and natural health practitioners will will uh, validate this between certain types of illness and uh, spiritual and mental and emotional issues. We've talked a bit about this before, um, but this piece that I'm about to share with you goes a bit deeper in terms of how um, physical manifestations can be present. So 3 John 2 states, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And we know that our soul is made up of the mind, will, and emotions. This verse illustrates for us the fact that a link does exist between our soul's health and our body's health. James 5, 11 through, I'm sorry, 14 through 16 says that we should confess our sins so that we can be healed. Also, indicating that outer infirmity can be at times a result of inner infirmity. Therefore, it's important that we remember to look at sickness as a possible outgrowth of a disturbance in our own soul or mind, will, or emotions, and our spirit. So in this case, in order for the outer infirmity to be healed, the underlying disturbance on the level of the soul and spirit needs to be healed as well. And that's certainly, again, not to say that all physical problems are the result of inward sin or emotional struggle, but we do have to take note of and not be ignorant of the fact that there's an overlap here that exists between our physical body and our emotional health. So the Bible addresses this important relationship between body and soul and spirit in several different passages. For example, a stiff neck is stated to be related to rebellion and stubbornness in Deuteronomy 31:27. 
and gall, as in gall from the liver, is at times identified with bitterness, and that's from Acts 8.23. Bones may become dried up because of a loss of hope, and that is Ezekiel 37.11. Shoulders often represent government or authority, as stated in Isaiah 9, verse 6. And feet are associated with peace, as we know about the gospel of peace in terms of the armor of God. The loins with truth and the heart and lungs with righteousness, as stated in Ephesians 6, 14 and 15. So clues of underlying spiritual or emotional factors may be discovered by asking, what spiritual or emotional conditions could be contributing or linked with this particular bodily weakness? And that's something that you can ask the Lord if you're suffering in a particular area and you've been to physicians and you've been on medications and you've been through physical therapy and yet there are still problematic areas that don't seem to self-resolve, that don't seem to be healing on their own. Um, At some points, it's very beneficial to go before the Lord and ask him if there's anything that you need to be aware of that may be contributing to the lack of uh, your healing in a particular area of the body. And again, I am not stating that this is always or only the case, but there are times when it might be. Um, Other helpful questions to ask are, what's happening to this part of the body? For example, is it infection, injury, itching, pain, weakness, or a type of numbness or paralysis? And in what way are you experiencing a counterpart to this physical experience in your soul or spirit? Also, consider the timing. You might ask yourself, What has happened in my life at the same time that this infirmity began? There could be a connection, and that's something that the Lord can show you. Because oftentimes when it comes to ourselves, it's hard for us to see if there's a connection between these types of things. But the Lord himself is faithful when we seek him to show us what we need to know. And this is something that I make a point of doing when I'm working with patients who uh, complain of chronic physical pain and different issues uh, that we look at um, when we do the onset of their uh, intake interview when they first come for a session. If there's a chronic physical pain that happens to correspond with something emotionally, we will take a look at that. And um, if there is an important life event that preceded a physical uh, problem, sometimes that could have been the contributing factor to their current physical pain. So it's something that we don't want to be ignorant of. We don't want to overstate this. We don't want to um, be hypervigilant and think that every physical pain has an emotional cause. That's not it at all. But we do not want to be ignorant of the connection at times when it exists and when it's confirmed by the Holy Spirit. So some natural health practitioners also recognize a relationship between the body and emotions, um, which is worth exploring. And I'd like to read now some possible connections that exist, and these are not proven uh, by medical doctors, 
necessarily, but they seem to relate to each other frequently. So there's a relationship, not necessarily a causality, not necessarily one factor causing another, but there is um, a relationship between these issues. So headaches are frequently associated with anger or repressed bitterness. Uh, Stiff necks, like I've discussed before, can be related to stubbornness and and the the lack of ability to be teachable. Um, The thyroid gland in some cases can be a result of a over-focusing on oneself or uh, grieving within oneself, a type of of self-pity, if you will. Um, The lungs are associated often with grief and breathing. The stomach and kidneys are associated with stress and fear. And I think that most of us can identify with this piece because when we're fearful or stressed, we usually feel that manifestation in our stomach. I've said on previous broadcasts that stress always manifests itself in the gut. And that's very true um, in terms of stomach aches when people are nervous or worried or fearful. The liver is associated with anger, believe it or not. Um, And the bladder is associated with irritation. The spleen is linked with jealousy. And the gallbladder is linked with bitterness. The colon is associated with holding emotions in. And so we can see that there's a lot to be considered when we're trying to discern what the cause of a physical manifestation is. And sometimes that can be related back to some emotional issues going on. But again, I stress, this is certainly not the case all the time. It's just a possibility. So what is the meaning of repentance as we have just discussed here? Although repentance is a decision of the will, sorrow and remorse over the wrong behaviors should help motivate an individual to make better choices in their days ahead. So while there may be specific uh, stands from which a person needs to turn, in other words, they need to change their mind about something and go in an opposite direction, in every case, we need to turn from three areas that fuel our flesh, spoken about before. And again, this first area is unbelief. So not only does a person need the truth of regular Bible study, they also need to explore why they're afraid to believe God or his word more deeply? What is the lie or misconception of God that's at the heart of the faith's shallowness in this case? In other words, why are they afraid to take that next step and fully take God at his word? Also, again, is pride, because pride fills the vacuum of unbelief with an exaggerated belief in oneself. Attitudes such as grandiosity, entitlement, self-righteousness, or thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to are all indicators of the presence of pride. And also anxiety. Philippians 4, 6 is very straightforward about this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests. To God. So the antidote for anxiety in this case is being thankful to God and praying to him and petitioning him for help in your time of need. 
Um, Isaiah 14, 13 through 14, paints a very striking picture for us of five attitudes of pride, and these are known theologically as the five I wills of Satan. First of all, Scripture says, and this is the enemy speaking, I will ascend to heaven. In other words, I'll admit no limits. Limits are for the weak. Secondly, it says, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. In other words, the enemy will rule and will be accountable to no one. He is not teachable. (laughs) Instruction is for the weak willed. So we're looking at what the enemy said and then extrapolating it out to how it can manifest itself in our own lives. Thirdly, Scripture says, I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly of our God. And this really says that I want others to bow down to me. There's nothing that I will deny myself. I will never deny myself the best of anything. I am entitled. Um, And that, again, is all rooted in pride, which goes back to Lucifer, also known as Satan. Uh, Fourthly, Scripture says, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. So this was Satan's goal. And lowliness and humility are not for the enemy of our soul. Um, People will be satisfied with where they're at in life. And if they're disappointed, they will move on to other things at any cost. And finally, Isaiah 14 says, and this is the enemy speaking, I will make myself like the most high. So this right here is his direct statement, the fifth I will, that is saying that he wants to be as God. And in fact, he wants to be higher than God because he wants to receive all the worship that God receives. And at this point, if a person is at this level of pride, he or she is saying, I have the right to push God aside and have what belongs to him. Please be cognizant and aware that this is a very dangerous position to be in because if you continually to re- continually reject God and are in willful rebellion to him, that is extremely unsafe for you spiritually. It's beyond unsafe. You're, you're exceedingly vulnerable if you get to a point where you believe that you can push God aside and just live any way you want and not uh, have any concern for the consequences of that. So pride can really cause problems in terms of the issue of getting yourself right with God spiritually. And if we remember, which most of us do, Satan or Lucifer had his great downfall because of his pride. So then how can we start fresh after falling into a stronghold or an addiction or a bondage of some kind? Um, Author Richard Lovelace lists four concepts that I thought were fantastic that both initiate and carry forward renewal in a believer's life. First of all, he identifies justification, and this is remembering throughout each and every day that you are accepted completely based on God's having given you the infinite merit of Christ through Jesus' finished work on the cross. Secondly is sanctification, and that is you're free from the power of sin, and you are empowered in new love for yourself to obey God and love God. So 
So this is freedom from the power of sin. In other words, you no longer have to serve it or shrink back away from it and let it dominate you, but rather you can choose instead to not give in to its pull or to its devices. Thirdly is the indwelling Holy Spirit. Uh, You are not alone, and as a believer, God is forever present in your life through his Holy Spirit. And as a believer, you face nothing alone, you feel nothing alone, and you suffer nothing alone. Even if you don't sense the presence of God in that moment and you can't see his hand, it might be because he is holding you in it. And fourthly, Uh, In order to make a fresh start, we can recognize that authority in spiritual conflict is given to us. So we can overcome uh, in different situations, and we have the right to participate in Christ's defeat and destruction of the powers of darkness. So advancing Christ's kingdom at the expense of Satan's kingdom requires a lifetime of employing God's complete armor, which he gives to us in Ephesians 6. And that's so important in praying on the full armor of God every morning. I stress this to my patients. Um, And of course, that's uh, listed um, in verses 10 through 18 of Ephesians chapter 6. This is not legalism, by the way. It's not to say that you have to do a ritualistic or a rote prayer to pray on the full armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, etc. It's more to the point of would you go to the front lines of a physical battle wearing T-shirt and jeans? Or because you'd be at the front lines of a battle, would you want to make sure you are wearing your armor? So if we translate that metaphor and that application from the physical realm into the spiritual realm, that tells you how important it is that we pray on that armor every day. If we don't, we're kind of leaving ourselves completely vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. and We're going out um, onto the battlefield with no protection. And so that's why this is so important. And God gives us uh, this armor to wear, and he gives us one weapon offensively, which is his, his word. That's the sword of the spirit. All of the other pieces of the armor are defensive pieces to protect against assault and attack. And if you've been wandering away from God, if you're finding yourself in a place where you just um, have not felt uh, the desire to spend time with him or you've been out of his word and you are kind of drifting, you may have trouble believing that God would really want to be reconciled with you. Well, this is not true. He does want to be reconciled because God is a God of grace. And grace comes from a term that means to bend or to stoop. So it, it grows to include the idea of favor towards you, infinite favor from our infinitely holy God is now infinitely satisfied with us through Christ. So God is always wanting reconciliation with you. It does not matter how far away you have wandered. He is waiting for you with open arms. In fact, he's watching for you and he runs to you. Just like the uh, parable of the prodigal son and his father is depicted in the New Testament. So this is what you most need to know when you're returning to the father is that he's already waiting for you, not with shame, 
but with open arms. And we can look at reconciliation as having two components or two parts. First of all, God's anger at sin is appeased by what Christ did for us on the cross and also by our decision to repent and God's own offering of grace. And secondly, the sinner exchanges his hostility towards God for a relationship with God. So if you have never come to the Lord, but you choose to do so even tonight as you're listening, in a sense, you are giving up your right to hold anger and hostility against the Lord. And instead, you're accepting his forgiveness and you're embracing a relationship with him. Um, our our self-focused nature does not just reform itself overnight. Scripture says that each day we can choose life or death. And each time we choose to overcome temptation, we choose life. And that side of us gets so much stronger. But this strong self-control and discipline and calling on the Holy Spirit when we are in need. It's he that will provide us with the power and the strength to overcome. So, again, whatever you feed grows and whatever you starve dies. So if you continue to feed your walk with the Lord, um, you will have more and more victory over your bondages and strongholds and addictions. But if you are feeding your flesh or making provision for your flesh, like we stated earlier, then that side of you will grow and it will be more and more difficult to overcome bondages, strongholds, and addictions. So in closing, real lasting change comes about because of what we try to do and how, how not how, I'm sorry, uh, does not come about by how, how hard we try to do anything on our own strength or our willingness um, to face realities of what's going on, but it comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need to seek God for help. So we need to understand that he wants us to see the truth of our situation and admit that to him and then go even deeper. And and that is calling out on his name and trusting him for his power to overcome in the moment of our temptation. Um, There can be different carnal or fleshly um, methods of protection that we form in our own hearts based on our fears, like trying to self-protect, building a wall around your heart to keep people from hurting you is an example of that. And I always say to my my patients at my practice that your fortress becomes your prison because you think you're protecting yourself from being hurt, but in actuality you are also keeping yourself bound from being able to reach out and relate to other people. So it's so important as we go through this process of repenting and getting victory over these areas of bondages in our lives that we allow the Lord to help us and that we don't try to do it in our own strength or by our own flesh because that will only put us in a place um, of of really deeper bondage uh, over the long haul if we try to do it ourselves and build walls of self-protection. So uh, in the next broadcast, which is two weeks from tonight, we're going to continue this series on what to do uh, when you're struggling spiritually, and we're going to look more thoroughly at the deep roots of why bondages and strongholds exist. And when we look at those deep roots, I will be giving you some tools uh, in terms of examining how they got there and 
um, other tools to help you as you are in a spirit of prayer um, to help really look at the false beliefs that drive a need to numb out or to distract or um, in some cases even to self-destruct through um, embracing bondages and addictions and strongholds versus embracing the full and the abundant life that we can have in Christ Jesus. So that is all the time we have left for tonight. I'd like to close us now in a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity this evening to share your word, um, your truth from the word that you have gifted us with. I pray that what has been spoken tonight uh, on this broadcast would go forward and forth into the lives and hearts of those that are listening, Lord God. I pray that the words would bear good fruit in their lives and that anyone who might find themselves in a place of uh, knowing they're stuck in a bondage or a stronghold, that there is hope, there is light at the end of the tunnel. You do not shame or condemn. You do, you do not walk away from your children who are bound by such things, Lord, but instead you offer an open invitation for them to run straight into your arms, Lord God, and you peel the shame off of them and you clothe them with the robe of righteousness, God, and you give us the power, Lord, to overcome any addiction and any temptation or stronghold that's present in our lives. So I just pray, God, that you would infuse uh, those listening with your hope and with your encouragement and your edification that they are overcomers and victorious um, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, Lord. We thank you for what you have done um, in this past uh, 45 minutes or so, Lord God. And we just ask now that those that are listening, Lord, would just go forward with your strength and in your power and with a renewed sense of what they can overcome through you. We ask all these things in your glorious and holy name. Amen. I want to thank you so much for listening tonight. I hope you'll join me again in two weeks for part two of this series. If you'd like to contact me directly at Healing Word, which is my private practice, please feel free to call me at 414-254-9862 or visit my website at healing-word.com. Thank you very much and God's richest blessings be upon you.